0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Conscious Love Show. Before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that the Inspired Love Program is now open for enrollment. If you've wanted to work with me in 2023, this is your opportunity, and you can apply now by going to inspiredloveprogram.com. When you go to that page, you'll have the opportunity to look over some information about the program. You can send in your application if you're ready to apply. And once your application is approved, you'll be able to book a discovery call with our team to find out if this program is the right thing for you. I'm very excited about what we're gonna be doing in the program this year, and I want you to be there. So if you feel like this is the thing for you, go apply now and we cannot wait to meet you on your discovery call. And welcome, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Conscious Love Show podcast. And as always, it is an honor and a pleasure to be here with all of you today. And, you know, I look forward to this every week. It, it really is like one of the highlights of my week is just getting to sit down and record the podcast and talk to everybody who's live with me and answer your questions. And, you know, it's just something I really look forward to. So I'm always excited to being back with you. And today's topic... Um, I'll just give you the title quickly is the, the most essential transformation that needs to happen in order to find love. And this is something that I would say every single one of my successful clients, because something I always like to do is when I have a client who really ends up in an awesome relationship, or when I have a client who really, you know, maybe they're not even in a relationship, but maybe they just experience a complete transformation around their life in the way they feel in their identity and who they feel that they are and how they express themselves and the kinds of friendships and the kinds of people they attract, right? So success can look different ways, but when I, when I have a client who is really, really successful, I always like to check in with them and be like, okay, so what happened that, like, what was the shift that needed to happen for you in order for you to feel the success that you're feeling right now? And I would say most of my clients, whether they're graduates of the program, whether they're private one-on-one clients, most of my clients give me this exact answer, some version of it is that the most essential shift that almost all of my successful clients report is this shift in going from not enough, always feeling not enough, always feeling like, what do I have to do to be enough for you? What do I have to do to get you to like me? What do I have to do to get you to want me? What, how do I have to be? How do I have to turn myself inside out? What is the, what is the secret spell, the secret answer, the secret twist that is finally going to make you want me and make me enough for you? Right. That's the old world. That's the old model. And the most essential transformation that needs to happen is to go from that world To the world of being securely confident that I am enough. A clear recognition that I am enough for love. I am enough to be loved. I, I am attractive enough. I am smart enough. I am capable enough. If I want that job, I'm enough to get that. If I want to be accepted into a group or make friends, like I'm enough for that, right? It's, it's a, it's a fundamental shift from not enough where I have to somehow be more than I am to get what I want from life. Shifting from that to a clarity and a confidence in that I am clear in who I am. I am clear in what I offer. I am clear In what, like the gift that I am into other people's lives. And so it's not like most people think that the reward is when you get into a relationship or that the reward is when you get whatever it is you want in life externally. But like, I, I really hope that those of you who are listening to this right now are wise enough to see that all the external things come and go. That person can like you one day and not like you the next. You know, like getting that short-term satisfaction is not enough. It's just it's just not enough, right? And so you've got to ultimately recognize that getting any amount of external gratification is only a very short high followed by a crash. And that the only real reward in life is to recognize yourself as enough. The only real success you can have in life is to have an identity that is built around enoughness. And so what my clients report when they, when they experience this shift, and it's an internal shift, and it is, it's like, I mean, I remember when it happened for me, and today I want to share a little bit about what my journey was like and, and how this shift happened for me. But what my clients report when they experience this shift is that they go from an automatic reaction of feeling insufficient in relationship with other people, right? So if you're on a date with someone or if you're going for a job interview or whatever it is, right? But like there's this automatic assumption that I am insufficient for other people in relationship with other people that I'm insufficient and I have to add something to myself to make myself enough. And then on the other side of this shift, what is experienced is a clarity and a confidence that I am enough as I am. I don't need to add anything to myself. I don't need to be more than I am to be loved, to be accepted, to create what I want in life, to manifest my dreams, whatever, whatever, uh, you know, whatever thing you want to put on the end of that. But recognizing yourself as enough, creating an identity around enoughness, that is the only true success you can have in life. And so what I want to talk about today is really the process of creating that. And and I want to say, and I mean, you, you know, I've been talking about it on the show. Those of you who follow me on Instagram, I mean, I'm sure you've heard me talking about it, but the Inspired Love program is open for enrollment right now. And I want to say, if if you want to make this shift, like that is probably gonna be the most direct way to do it. Like if you just want me to lay it all out for you step by step, hold your hand, guide you through it exactly what you need to do, lead you through the emotional processes that you need to go through to let go of every idea that you're not enough and experience this shift, like the Inspired Love program is gonna be the best way to do that. But there are other ways to do it. And today I'm going to talk about the overarching journey, right? I'm going to talk about the overarching journey of letting go of the old identity born in not enoughness, born in incompleteness, born in insufficiency, and taking on this new identity that says I am enough. Because what happens is when you get to the other side of this equation, when you get to the other side of this identity... The experience of it is, I'm just going to tell you how it felt for me and then I'll share what some of my clients have said as well, but this is how it felt for me. And I remember, like, I remember very clearly I was, I was in my mid twenties when this happened for me and I had, I had a history of chasing women who didn't give me the time of day and I I mean, just all, all the stuff that, right? Like all the, all the mistakes I was making them. And I just remember, and it was, it was a result of a lot of the work I was doing, and it was a result of a lot of stuff, but, but I remember when this shift happened for me. And what it felt like was that I just stopped questioning myself. And I started feeling the courage to talk to anyone. And there was a certainty inside of me that I would be accepted by them. Like, I had, I had lived my whole life with this fear of, like, social anxiety of, like, I can't talk to people. Like, if I was in a room of crowded people, it was, like, what are they thinking of me? And I had to, like, I was, like, always kind of watching, like, if people were looking at me and, and like, and very aware of, like, how I was presenting myself, very aware of how I was dressed, very, like, like a, a, an obsession, almost, on, like, how I looked and how I was dressed. And it, it, it's just, like, like all of this. And I was run by this. This was my life, right? This was my life. I was run by all of this. And I started getting into healing work when I was 23, 24 years old. And I I, I mean, I've been in it ever since, you know, well over a decade now. And, you know, when I started getting into this work and I started to experience this shift all of that fear that had run me my entire life just started to fall away. And what I what I started to feel was, like I said, it was just the certainty that I could approach anyone and be accepted by them. It was just this clarity, it was like, it was like I had come out of a fog and I could suddenly see the light, and I just realized the simple truth that there was nothing wrong with me. That there was never anything wrong with me. And yeah, I had fears and insecurities and I'd made mistakes and I, you know, I wasn't necessarily where I wanted to be in life. And you know, I, I had I had all the same stuff, but I but what I realized was none of that stuff made me bad or made me wrong or made me insufficient. In fact, I was just very much equal to everyone else on the planet. I was just very much equal, very much human. Very much dealing with the same things that every single person on this planet is dealing with. And there was this incredible freedom. And I didn't feel like I needed to hide in life anymore. And I didn't feel like I needed to prove myself anymore. I didn't feel like I, I didn't feel like I needed to add something to myself to be sufficient. There was just this trust. In who I am, and what I am, and something else that came with that was an entirely new relationship with rejection. It was an entirely new relationship with rejection because I was so clear about who I was and how great I was, and and how gifted I was, and you know, like all the things that were amazing about me. I was so clear about that that when someone else didn't see it. In the past, I would have gone, what's wrong with me? I started to go, well, there must be something off with them. Because I'm bringing nothing but love and light and awesomeness. And if they're not picking up on that, they must not be the kind of person who can receive it. And this, this was a shift. And like it didn't happen overnight. It came in stages. But I remember in my late 20s, was when it really started to settle in. And this was when I really started stepping into my career in a big way. It was when I started the living relationship. It was when I uh, proposed to my wife, right? So there, there, was. it was in my early 20s, or excuse me, my late 20s, when this really, really started to settle in. And it really started to sink in. And I just started to live with this clear confidence that there is nothing wrong with me. I am not less than anyone. I am very much equal. I am very much equal. I am very much on the same playing field as every single other person on this planet. And that makes me equally worthy to every single person on this planet. So what does the journey to getting there look like? And I just want to say, I shouted it out earlier about the Inspired Love program, and I saw someone in the comments asking how to sign up. So this is what I want to do just to make it easy for everyone. If anybody is interested in the program, just comment interested in the comments right now, and my team is going to send you the details. That'll just make it easy for everyone so you don't have to go looking for it. Hey everybody, I just wanted to jump in real quick because I know you know about it and I know I've been talking about it on the show, but if you're ready to apply for the Inspired Love Program, I wanna let you know exactly how to do that. The first thing you're gonna do is go to inspiredloveprogram.com. Once you're on that page, you'll be able to see an outline of the content and the session modules. You'll be able to read testimonials from past students to find out what they got from the program. And when you're ready to apply, you'll find the link to do that right there on that page. You'll know immediately if your application is approved. And once your application is approved, you'll get access to my calendar. You'll be able to book a call with one of my team members to get on the phone face to face and find out if this program is the right thing for you. There's no commitment to book a call, and you don't even have to make a decision about the program until after the call. So if you think this might be the right thing for you, go apply for the program now. I want you to know that I put my heart and soul into this program, and when we work together, I am gonna give you my absolute best. So I truly hope you take this opportunity to go for it. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. And I truly hope that you are one of the people we get to meet on our discovery calls. Lots of love. So, what does the journey to this look like? Right? What is the journey to go from the old world, not enough, to the new world, confident, clear, certainty that I am enough? Right? What does that journey look like? And The journey begins with trauma. And so some of us have experienced very obvious trauma in our life. Some of us were beat. Some of us were molested. Some of us were abused. Some of us have experienced very obvious trauma in our life. Some of us have experienced less obvious trauma Okay, you know, if you were beat as a child, if you were abandoned, if you were molested, if something like that happened to you, that's very obvious that you experienced trauma. But some of you didn't experience all of that. Some of you were just the shy kid in the back of the classroom that didn't know how to get along with the other students. And so you didn't have this trauma that was like punching you in the face like some people did. But you had a subtle kind of trauma where maybe as 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 year by year went by, and you go from kindergarten to first grade to second grade to third grade, you just started to isolate more and more and more and more. You just started to let that distance between you and other people become greater and greater and greater. You just started to hold yourself back in life more and more and more and more. And by the time you get to fifth grade, that identity is firmly established that I am different from them. That they have something I don't. That I, that I am less than them. That they have some kind of skill, some kind of attractiveness, some kind of capability, some kind of specialness that is missing in me. And I'm going to say this has happened to all of us in different ways. Whether it was the obvious abuse whether it was the more subtle trauma but whatever way it happened for you and I you know I mean I could go on and on all day and talk about all the different ways we could experience this but what I want you to do is I want you to think back to your own childhood and think about the pain that you experienced in childhood you know someone someone told me once like their their most painful moment as a child was when their parents would drop them off at the babysitter And they just have these awful memories of screaming in terror of having their parents leave them behind and not understanding why their parents would leave them like that. And we think of that as such a normal thing. And yet for the the right person in the right circumstance, in the right situation, they could develop an identity around that that says, I'm not lovable, that nobody's ever going to love me. You see, my therapist put it like this. I was talking to my therapist about this the other day. And my therapist says that when we're in the womb, when we are, when we are in, you know, when we're in, we're in our mother's womb, which is our first experience of life, right? This is this is how we're being brought into this world. So this is our f- most fundamental experience of life, and we are perfectly nurtured, we are perfectly cared for, we are perfectly provided for. All of our needs are met without us even asking for it. And then suddenly we we experience coldness we experience pain we experience force we experience loud noise we experience chaos we experience separation like literally cutting the cord where all of my sustenance was coming from and now i've been separated from that it's like literally one of the most traumatic experiences we ever have in our lives it's the it's the first separation the first time we experience ourselves as separate from others And then we start to go through life, and every other separation we experience adds on to that initial one. And if some of us were brought into a very loving environment, if some of us were brought into a very nurturing environment, if some of us were held very closely and spoken to very softly and cared for very gently and encouraged and supported and like told to be our authentic self, a lot of that original trauma can be undone. But most of us were not brought into that kind of environment. We experienced being punished. We experienced being criticized. We experienced being told to be better at sports or be better at school. We experienced like constantly being reinforced that we needed to live up to the expectations of others. And that who we were was not enough. And this is something that all of us got. In in the Inspired Love program, I call it conditional love. Conditional love are all the impressions we got from our parents and teachers and people throughout our lives that say, you're only good if you get straight A's. Or you're only good if you're a top athlete. Or you're only good if you do all your chores. Or you're only good if you behave a certain way. You're only good if you smile and, and act nice. And, and we've been systematically taught, from the time we were born, to shut down our authenticity and conform to someone else's idea of who we should be. And this is all trauma. So you've got to understand that trauma is anything that causes you to shut down a part of your authenticity and withhold a part of yourself. And some of you might be saying, OK, well, how is this important? Well, this is how it's important. Because when you were two years old, you were taught to shut down a part of yourself. And now, maybe you're 32 years old or 42 years old, and you have never learned to give that part of yourself authentic expression. You have never learned to let that part of yourself be seen, be expressed, be validated, be honored, be loved. What you've actually done is you have exiled a part of yourself. And every part of yourself that you exile contributes to your feelings of unworthiness. The very irony in this is that all of the exiled aspects of us, all of the exiled aspects of us are the very things that when we give them full expression, has someone else fall in love with us. Those are the very, those are like the missing puzzle pieces to our personality that when we actually give those full, authentic expression, our amazingness comes out and people fall in love with us. And so, like, the irony is, is the parts of you that you were told to disown and exile as a child are the very components you need to have a fulfilled and passionate life that's full of love, full of abundance, So this is the predicament. This is the predicament we're all in. And you know, when I was little, like I've shared this many times, My, my dad was a toxic nightmare. I actually, I put up a post about him today. Maybe some of you saw it. My dad was a toxic nightmare, but my mom was, you know, God bless her. She was an angel. And, but she was 19. You know, she she got pregnant when she was in high school with my dad and and she was 19 when I was born. So she was 18 when she got pregnant, 19 when I was born. And she she had no skills in life. She didn't know she didn't know how to choose a good partner, so she inherently brought a lot of abusive partners into my world and into into my sister's world, right? And and there was a lot of trauma that came through all of that. But my mom was, was a good, good person with a good, good heart. But despite the fact that she was a good person, she lacked skills. And there were two themes that dominated my childhood and, and largely contributed to my my lack of belief in myself. And that was that I grew up in poverty. And it was that I, I grew up... Uh, uh, in a like a, a dogmatic religious, like restrictive culture. My mom was Mormon. For anyone who knows about Mormons, and my mom, like there are a lot of Mormons in the world that are amazing. Like I mean, I know I know so many Mormons that are amazing, but my mom was like this extremist, like rigid Mormon. Okay, so just to give you an idea, uh, I mean this is this is one of the most extreme examples. But to give you an idea of the context I grew up in, okay. When I when I started getting into music and I would have CDs of my own when I got a new CD my mom would take that CD from me and she would read all the lyrics on it and then based on the lyrics she would decide which songs I could listen to and which songs I couldn't and then she would keep all my CDs locked up in her room and if I wanted to if I wanted to listen to one I would have to listen to it under her supervision when she could make sure that I was only listening to the songs that she wanted me to listen to Okay. Now, like that is just like, I love my mom and I know that she was really trying her best to like not have me be a fucked up person, (laughs) but like that is traumatic for a kid to go through. Like the, the amount of, the amount of self-expression and freedom that I was limited in as a kid had me develop the idea that there was something fundamentally wrong with me. Right, Because the, the context I was raised in, and there were two parts to it, it was, it was the religious extremism and then there was also the poverty. And so the religious extremism, like here I am wanting things that are very normal for a young boy, like wanting to watch shows like Power Rangers and Dragon Ball Z right, that have violence in them. And my mom is creating this idea in me that I am a violent person. And there's something wrong with me because I'm attracted to this stuff. And there's something bad about me and this stuff is not godly, <laughs> right? So it's like, it's like, you're not godly because you like this stuff and, and I'm going to restrict these parts of you and tell you to suppress these parts of you. When this is like, every little boy is into things like that. It is a very, very normal part of being a young boy. But I was not taught that it is normal and valid I was taught that it's wrong and therefore I'm wrong and there's something fundamentally wrong with me. I'm like fundamentally against God, right? So that's how the religious extremism showed up. And then the poverty was another aspect of it because we never had money for anything. So it was like if, if there was a school trip, but like, you know, you had to pay some money to go on the school trip. Well, I didn't get to go a lot of times. Sometimes she would figure it out, but a lot of times I wouldn't get to go right or if there were other things a birthday party or or like you know for example like if i was going to a friend's birthday party like my mom would have to get like the cheapest gift she'd get like the the 99 cent thing from the dollar store so i would go to a friend's birthday party and everybody would have these awesome gifts but i would have like this 99 cent thing from the dollar store now this wasn't my mom's fault she was 19 years old and she was doing her best i'm not criticizing her for this she couldn't have done it any differently but what i want you to what i want you to start to let in is to see how these early experiences shape our identity. Because when I had to go to the birthday party with a 99 cent toy and everyone else had like, you know, oh, everyone else had like these awesome action figures or like the you know the, the best new thing that was on the commercials, right? And I just had this little thing from the 99 cent store. I felt that. like that hurt, right? And then and then what I, as that developed over the years of my life, and that started to become a part of my identity it started to become i have less than others i can't participate in the same way that others participate i am and then ultimately that trans, that translated to long term i am less than others right i have less than others becomes i am less than others and so these were some of the themes that dominated my early childhood And this is, this is with a mother who loved me and worked really, really hard to be a good mother, but she just didn't really know what she was doing. And so inadvertently I got all these impressions. Now, please understand, I'm not being a victim. I'm not whining about my childhood. Okay. I have, I love, and I have deep love and respect for my mother. I know she did an amazing job. Like I I think, I think all the good qualities about me came from my mother. They did not come from my father because they just didn't. Right. So, so like I, I'm not complaining or being a victim about my childhood. I'm just sharing this so you can understand how this works. Even when you have a loving parent, this still happens. And the point is not to blame our parents for how they fucked us up. The point is to recognize and have some awareness about what's going on for us in reality to have some awareness about why we feel stuck in life. And we feel stuck in life because we developed an identity that gives us a limiting idea about who we are. And it's preventing us from giving our full, authentic expression to life. And so this is where, when it comes to seeking love, when it comes to seeking anything magnificent in life, when it comes to seeking your dream job, when it comes to seeking thriving friendships and a community of supportive and loving people, like when it comes to any of these things, if these early wounds are not healed, you know, if these, if these early pains in which you started to identify yourself as separate from others, as I'm over here and they're over there, And there's something different about me from them that we're not equal. We're not on the same playing field. I have to add more to myself to get their approval or acceptance because there's something missing with me. Like, I I want you to hear this from the bottom of my heart. If that is how you feel about yourself in relationship with other people, you will not manifest your dreams until that is healed. And and so I wanna say about the Inspired Love program again, you know, I'm gonna talk more about this, I'm gonna talk more about the journey and the processes of healing. But if you want me to guide you in this process, if you want me to walk you through this step-by-step and literally lead you through the emotional processes that are gonna allow you to go to the deepest places in yourself and heal these burdens that you've been carrying with you throughout your life, The Inspired Love Program is the best place for that to happen. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to jump in real quick because I know you know about it, and I know I've been talking about it on the show, but if you're ready to apply for the Inspired Love Program, I want to let you know exactly how to do that. The first thing you're going to do is go to inspiredloveprogram.com. Once you're on that page, you'll be able to see an outline of the content and the session modules. You'll be able to read testimonials from past students to find out what they got from the program. And when you're ready to apply, you'll find the link to do that right there on that page. You'll know immediately if your application is approved. And once your application is approved, you'll get access to my calendar. You'll be able to book a call with one of my team members to get on the phone face-to-face and find out if this program is the right thing for you. There's no commitment to book a call, and you don't even have to make a decision about the program until after the call. So if you think this might be the right thing for you, go apply for the program now. I want you to know that I put my heart and soul into this program, and when we work together, I am going to give you my absolute best. So I truly hope you take this opportunity to go for it. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. And I truly hope that you are one of the people we get to meet on our Discovery Calls. Lots of love. Because, like, this this is important. And I'm, I am so grateful that I found the healing work that I found. Like, I, I am just so, so grateful that I found my way to the healing work that I found. Because it was... Like this was the stuff I needed to heal. This was my identity. So let me, let me just talk a little bit about that transition and how, how you transition from being uh, from, from that old identity to that new identity. Right. So let me just, let me just talk about how that transition looks and, and, What I want to say here, and this is in session one of Inspired Love, the first thing we talk about is who you are. right? It's, it's literally where we start the program. We start talking about who you are. And we start with the recognition that most people, most of us, don't know who we are. We think we are the story that came from our birth. So I was born into this family. I was born into this situation. I was born into this culture. I was born into this body. And then everything that happened since then, and the the amalgamation of all of that, we think that's who we are. That is our first mistake. Because that is not who we are. There is something in us that existed before all of that. It's, it's, it's the you that came into the world before any of that took place. It's the you that came into the world. So, who is this version of you? I call it spirit, the spiritual self. What You know, any version of that works, right? The God self. But it is it is the essence of who you are. And what has happened throughout our lives is we've taken the idea that I am not enough. There, there are aspects of my personality that are wrong, that are bad, that are not acceptable, that are not lovable. And we have exiled those parts of our personality. Then we have developed protective mechanisms that protect those parts of our personalities. And this is what I call the ego. The ego is the collection of all these protective mechanisms. Okay, so you have the wounded, exiled childhood parts of yourself. We could call these the inner children. These are the most sensitive, vulnerable parts of yourself that have been deeply locked away in deep recesses of of your mind. And they are carrying heavy burdens and heavy pain. Then what has emerged to cover that up is the ego this system of protectors and the ego's job is to make sure that those exiled parts of you never see the light of day. So the ego is the face you put onto the world. And I I I shared earlier, like I used to be so concerned about how I looked and how I dressed and what people were thinking of me, right? These are all the protective mechanisms. This is how I protect myself. Because if I can dress in a way that makes you like me, and I can look in a way that makes you like me, and I can perform in a way that makes you like me, and I can say and do the things that make you think I'm awesome, that protects me. And and if I can do all of that, and I can succeed at all of that, that makes absolutely sure that you will never see the exiled, wounded parts of me. Like What it really is, is I carry so much shame around the parts of myself that I've exiled, that I have to hide those parts at all costs. And so I put on a performance in relationship with people to protect my to protect those parts from ever having to be judged by you. If you get what I'm saying now, just tap that hard a few times. I know this is a little complex, but you you really need to connect these dots because to understand where we're going, you got to connect these dots here. So the ego is this system of protectors that has emerged to cover up the exiled and shameful parts of us. Now, they're not actually shameful, but we believe they're shameful. So we have this system of protectors that tell us what to do and how to be and how to show up and what to say and how to act. So healing looks like this. If you get behind the wall of protectors, you will find the wall of exiles. And if you can have compassion for those exiles, if you can have love for those exiles, by the way, I see the question. Someone says, is people pleasing a protective strategy? Yes, it is. And thank you for the question. But if you can get behind the wall of protectors and you can get to the exiles and you can offer those exiles love, understanding, compassion, those, the protectors can start to release their tight grip on your life. And those vulnerable, sensitive parts of yourself can begin to find expression. Now, when those sensitive, vulnerable parts of yourself begin to find expression, it's usually very ugly. Because what you have is a traumatized two-year-old child that was basically stuffed in a closet and told to shut up. That's basically what all your exiles are. They're these vulnerable parts of you that your parents or your teachers or whoever your influences when you were little said were not enough. And you out of out of pure survival decided that if my parents are gonna love me and take care of me, I can't be this person. And like, like I mean, like have some compassion for the little two-year-old you right now. Right when your parents said, you be a good little boy or you be a good little girl, right? you don't behave like that or you're going to go to your room. And this little two-year-old system that barely understands anything is going, I need my parents to love me. <laughs> like I, I, I need them to love me. I need them to care for me. And so you start trying to be who they want you to be. And you believe that the part of you that they didn't like was shameful. And so you stuff it in a closet and you locked it away. And for some of you, those exiles have not seen the light of day since you were two years old. And so when you first start to let them out into the open, you first start to let them express themselves, it's going to be ugly. And they're going to be screaming and yelling. And like a lot of times when people begin healing work, it comes out like that. They just need to scream it out. I shared with you if those of you who listen to the weekly podcast I shared with you a couple of weeks ago when I was in this healing process in a training I was in where I was held by this group of people and I I fell back into their arms and they picked me up off the floor group group of people standing around me in a circle and they were holding my entire body and like cradling my entire body and and I just screamed and wailed and cried about the death of my grandmother Because when my grandmother died, there was a part of me that said, Time to move on, time to get on with your life, time to be a grown up. And the part of me that was grieving the death of my favorite person in the whole world got stuffed in a closet. And so when I finally let that part of me out of the closet, it came out screaming, wailing, crying, thrashing. And then when I was done with that, I want to tell you this, my entire body was vibrating with energy like I, I, to the point where I could barely stand. It was like an energetic center of my body had been closed down since I was 11 years old when my grandma died. And all of a sudden it opened up and my whole body was vibrating and on fire with so much energy that I couldn't even stand. Like, this is how real this stuff is. We are energetic beings and we think we're like these hard physical, like meat suits. We're made of energy. And we've, we've like shut down our aliveness and locked our most authentic aspects away in deep recesses of our mind to try to be this perfect person in a superficial world. And we are dying inside because of it. So healing is about developing the courage to let down your protective mechanisms and allow your authenticity out into the world. To let that vulnerability and that sensitivity out into the world. And as your, as your exiles start to find some balance, you know, like I said, they come out screaming and crying and thrashing, but as they start to find some balance, as, as they start to feel from you that they are being met with love and compassion, by the way, I just want to say this, cause this may help some of you understand. Um, some of you are probably aware of inner child healing. Right, inner child healing is 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 basically what I'm talking about here. These exiles are our inner children. Right. So what I'm talking about is actually a form of inner child healing. And as these as these inner children start to start to feel that they are not being exiled, they start to feel that they are received with love and compassion, that they are validated, that they are honored that they are appreciated they're not they're not such damaged children anymore they're actually quite amazing beautiful gifted creative individuals and and so what happens is these parts of yourself start to share their gifts with you and this is what allows you to become incredibly unique you know it's it's so funny, like we spend so much of our lives trying to be like everyone else and that just makes nobody like us. And when we actually can release the parts of us that make us different from other people, you know, I'm actually just connecting the dots now as I'm talking about it, so I wanna share this because it's so funny, is like I shared earlier when I, was, when I was a child, how I would exile myself every time I felt different than others because I was always just wanting to fit in. And I was always wanting to get acceptance. But when it comes to love, you don't want to be like everyone else. You want to be different. Because when you're on a date with someone, you need them to feel something with you where they go like, I've never met someone like you before. I want to see you again. Right? Like it's, it's so It's so ridiculous that we try so hard to fit in and be like everyone else. And that makes people not like us. And when the most authentic parts of you are let out into the world, people start to go, I've never met anyone like you. Where did you come from? How do I get more of you, <laughs> right? Like, can I see you tomorrow? <laughs> and, and I'm going to say, like, that's how I felt about my wife. And, and I want... I want everyone to hear this because I think this is really what we're looking for, right? We're looking for that experience when we meet someone to go, like every person I've ever dated before, like I'm experiencing something from you that is just completely different. And I want more of that. And that's because of who she was and the healing work that she has done, and the way that she allowed herself to express herself authentically in the world. And and I want to say this too, like, and my wife might be watching right now if you are, hey, babe. but I, I saw her pop on earlier. Sometimes she can only be on for a few minutes. I don't know if she's still here. But it's so funny because when I met my wife, so I was working as one of the trainers for this personal development company in South Florida. Some of you might have heard the story. Right. But it was actually my best friend, or not my best friend, close, close friend, one of my best friends who, um, who was from New Jersey. Yeah. She's here. Hey, babe. So um, it was one of my close friends who was from New Jersey who met my wife in a coffee shop and enrolled her to come down for this training. Now, I was one of the trainers at the training. And um, anyway, she comes, she comes down for the training and, we we kind of met each other casually, and then it, it was it was a little bit before we actually got connected in, in a one on one way. But but what I want to say is that when my wife came down, she's gonna laugh when I say this. She was like a sensation in the training. <laughs> like everybody was talking about her, and they were like, "Who's this girl from New Jersey?" And she's awesome, and and like all these guys were asking her out, and it it was like it was like as soon as she got there. And and it was because she had that energy, she did. And like my wife is beautiful, she's gorgeous, but you know there are lots of beautiful women in the world. She had an energy about her, and and she was and she's laughing right now because she knows it's true. Like all the guys were asking her out and everyone was talking about her. It's like have you met Fatima? And and so you know I was kind of, I was kind of um, not really that close to her. But then we, uh, we met, um, at a brunch, actually, it was, it was, uh, a group of people who had, from the training who had gotten together for brunch and I was invited and she was invited and we both went there. And, and so we ended up sitting next to each other and we just started talking and, and it was, it was one of those things where it was just like this incredible connection and we start talking and, and brunch got over and I was like, Hey, you want to go get a cup of coffee? And she was like, yeah, let's do it. And so we went and got a cup of coffee and I was like, you want to get dinner? And so then we went and got dinner and there was like, do you want to hang out tomorrow? And we just spent the whole weekend together. And like, I, I just, I, the, the reason I'm sharing this is because I truly think that we all have the power to create that experience with someone. But it, it doesn't come from being in your ego and trying to come up with a better strategy. And like when I see all the dating advice, when I see, you know, the the people, the coaches on social media or or when I, I read the articles and things like when I see all the dating advice, it's all it's all about having a better egoic strategy. It's all about how to navigate the dating apps better or how to say the right words that are going to make them think the right thing or how to wait three days before you respond so you don't seem needy. It's, it's all about like better ego strategy. And all that is doing, the more you invest in strategies like that, all you're doing are strengthening your protective mechanisms that are continuing to limit the authenticity and making you less lovable to people. Like, I, I really hope you get that. The more you invest in egoic strategies, you are strengthening the parts of yourself that make you less lovable. And it's scary. It's scary to let those protective strategies go. And in the Inspired Love program, my approach is not to beat up the ego. You know, a lot of times when people talk about the ego, they say, my damn ego, it's in my way again. And uh, my ego's always fucking me up. And like, that's the first mistake is that you're, you're just exiling more of yourself when you do that. You're just exiling more of yourself when you do that. And so in the inspired love program, what we do is we love the ego. We appreciate the ego. We say, thank you. Thank you for working so hard to protect me for all of these years. Thank you for constantly, day and night and incessantly, trying to come up with new strategies to help me feel okay about myself and get what I want in life. Thank you. Thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for how hard you've worked. Thank you for how much you've protected me. Thank you for the times in my life when your strategies actually paid off and kept me safe. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But now, can we try a different approach? Because I'm not a helpless child anymore. And I don't need you to protect me, the same way that maybe I did when I was two years old. So can we try a different approach now? Can we try to not be so protected and be authentic instead? Can we try to not say the right thing but be honest instead? Can we try to not present what we think people want to see, but just vulnerably be ourselves? This is how it works. This is the process of healing. So, if I could put it in a nutshell for you, because I, I want I want to be clear, I'm not I'm not hanging this out like a carrot to get you to join my program. Okay, I'm giving you all the answers here. But I'm aware that I needed lots and lots of mentorship to be able to navigate these things in myself. I needed lots and lots of great coaches and great mentors. And I've, I've, had, I've had probably 30 amazing coaches in my life. And I hire a new one every year. Just to give you an idea, So I needed lots and lots of great coaches and great mentors who could show me how to navigate this in myself. And so I'm not dangling this to get you to join my program. I'm telling you what you need to do. But if you want me to guide this process for you, as someone who's been through it myself, as someone who's guided hundreds of other people through it, as someone who is very, very clear about how all of this works and what needs to happen to let it go. That's why you should join my program. And so what we need to do is we need to develop a relationship with our ego where it can relax, where it can give some space, where it can start to trust, where it cannot need to be so violently in control of everything. We need to start to form a relationship with the parts of ourself that are operating underneath our ego, the wounded parts of ourself, the exiled parts of ourself, the disregarded parts of ourself, so we can find our truth, so we can find our authenticity, we need to get comfortable and learn to feel safe expressing that in the world. And we actually need to develop a confidence around it. So I'm not like kind of being a little bit authentic, but I'm, I'm really shy and, and you don't really get the full picture of it, but I'm doing my best. I'm being authentic, right? It's not like that. It's like, I am me and I am here and you will see me and you will experience me and you will love me because I'm awesome. That's the energy. And and I want to say this. That is not arrogant energy. Arrogance is another protective part of the ego. Arrogance is another thing we put on top of ourselves because we feel that we're insufficient. What I just described to you is not arrogance. What I described is truth. What I described is what you feel when you are connected to the spiritual aspect of who you are, when you are connected to the God self within, and you are giving the God self expression in your life. That is what you feel. And I'm going to tell you why it's not arrogant. Here's why it's not arrogant. It's not arrogant because you also see the exact same thing in everybody else. It's, it's in me, and it's in you, and it's in all of us. But I have a version of it that is unique to me. I have a version of it that nobody else can express, that nobody else can show, that nobody else can demonstrate. I have a version of it that is completely original. And when I bring that to the world, people fall in love with me. And when I say fall in love with me, I don't just mean romantically. And yes, if you want a romantic partner, I promise you'll have one. That's actually probably the first tier. But on a larger scale, everywhere you go, people start to love you because of the way that you touch their hearts because of how they feel when they're with you. You see, you're you're so busy trying to look right and do the right thing and say the right thing and text at the right times and play just the right amount of hard to get. And, you know, you're so busy doing all of this. And it doesn't have to be that hard. Like, that's not the way to find love. It's really, really, really not. And like, You know, people ask me like, Shane, why do you, why do you promote this program so strongly? And I'm like, because I feel like I'm sitting in the middle of a desert with a thousand jugs of water. (laughs) Like that's why, because I see all these people working so hard to get love. And I just want you to hear that you don't have to do it like that. You don't have to do it like that you could literally just be you. And people can love you for it. It can be that simple. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you why it doesn't feel that simple. It doesn't feel that simple because every time you try to do that, you get terrified back into your place. Every time you try to do that, your fear puts you back in your place. Because what happens is you say, I'm going to be myself. I'm going to be bold and and amazing and and full of life and passionate and beautiful and loving. And I'm going to be myself and I'm going to be it all. I'm going to put it out there. And then you get in front of another person Maybe you're on a date. Maybe you're on a job interview. Maybe you're in the first couple months of dating someone and you're texting with them. But whatever it is, you get in relationship with another person and they start to trigger those exiles. They start to trigger those parts of you that you are ashamed of. Those parts of you that you have made a deep commitment to make sure that nobody will ever see. And so your protectors come right to the forefront and they take over. And you can take my word for this or you can just figure it out on your own. But the process I just described is something that you are powerless over without doing some real healing work. It will happen. Every time. You cannot think your way out of this. I've said this many times. You cannot think your way out of this. Your thinking is what does it. You can't think your way out of it. And so I quickly, I want to just walk you through the Inspired Love Program process. And then I'm going to open up for some questions. I think I might have shared this last week, but just in case I didn't, I want to share it this week. And if I'm being redundant, then apologies, but I just want to make sure everybody, everybody hears it. So there are three, there are three levels to the uh, Inspired Love program. There is uh, module one, awareness, module two, forgiveness, and module three, aliveness. Awareness is about recognizing what I've just talked about. So in the first four sessions of the program, what we're going to do is we're going to dissect everything I've told you about today, the exiles, the protectors, the shame, all of it. We are going to dissect it so you can see all of it and how it is operating within yourself. Okay. That's awareness. Awareness is just about recognizing how the system is set up, how it works together, how it reinforces and perpetuates itself. Okay, that is, that is awareness. That's the first module. The second module is forgiveness. This is where we do the deep somatic work. This is where we do the breath work. This is where we do the inner child healing. Okay, having become aware of it, having become aware of how it's all set up and how it all works together, I am now ready to go into it and deepen my experience with it. And release the burdens that I've been carrying throughout my life. Okay, so this is where we have an extensive process on shame. And shame, shame you can think of as the cement that keeps the exiles in their place, right? The reason the exiles remain exiled and the reason the protectors remain protecting them is because of shame, it's because you are ashamed of those parts of yourself. And so we do a big somatic process on shame. It's about an hour long. And I guide you through every possible experience of shame in your life. And you will feel a tangible somatic release in your body. Then we do breath work. Breath work is a, breath work is a detox process. You could think of it like that. Uh, You might not be aware of this. I actually only learned this through studying breathwork. But we detox more through our breath than any other way, more through our sweat or our waste or anything. We detox more through our breath than any other method of release. So what we do in breathwork, and breathwork is about a 90-minute process where we breathe together as a group. During the breath, you will actually go into an altered state. Now, it's completely safe. Been doing it with groups of people for many, many years. Nobody has ever had an adverse experience. Some people struggle with it a little bit because it can be challenging, but nobody has ever had an adverse experience. It is completely safe. But with the breath work, you actually go into an altered state where your ego or your protective mind is actually like not active. It actually kind of goes to sleep your body is filled with like like your whole body will be vibrating very similar to if you were with me earlier when I shared about that experience I had around my grandmother, when I screamed and released it, my whole body was filled with energy breath work is going to take you to basically that same place. Okay. So what we do in the breath is we, we put your ego to sleep for a little bit. You go completely into an embodied state of self energy, your entire body will be vibrating, and you will basically be pushing impurities out through the breath. Uh, the woman who comes in to, the woman who comes in to facilitate the breath work, she is a, uh, she's a, a teacher of mine that I've been working with for many years, and she's amazing. I mean, she's been doing it over thirty years. She's just a fantastic woman. Her name is Lori Reyes Desanti. She's a healer in every sense of the word. I mean, she is just like total goddess energy and she comes in to deliver the breath for us. And it is just, I, I actually breathe with you guys. um And it is just, it's just such a beautiful, beautiful experience. And and I love being able to, to do it with you. And, and we all get to share the experience together. And Lori is phenomenal. And it's just, it's amazing. So After breath work, we do inner child healing, and that's where you actually learn to dialogue with your exiles, right? Having released the shame, having released the toxins, having released the burdens, you have some space now where where your exiles aren't under such tight protection anymore. So you can actually open up to them and, and discuss with them and dialogue with them. And start to, start to give them love and compassion and understanding. Start to understand where they came from. Like what points in your life were these exiles created? And what have they been carrying? And for how many years have they been carrying it? And as you can start to meet them with love and compassion, what starts to happen is a deep feeling of release in your body. And you actually start to feel safe inside your own body. Module 3 is aliveness. And aliveness is really about developing the clarity and the confidence to be your authentic self in the world. So that's where we talk about some of the more practical aspects. We talk about how to carry yourself in the dating world, how to show up, how to have conversations, what to do, what not to do, those kinds of things. So this is really the process. And as you as you go through each of these modules, the, the experience that's created is a, a deep confidence in who you are, a deep confidence in how lovable you are, a deep confidence in the value that you bring to life, that you bring to love, that you bring to relationships. And like I just want to say, that's what I want. For all of you. Like, that's, that's the real reward in life. I said this earlier. That is the real reward in life. Is the feeling of being free to be yourself and the certainty that you will be accepted and loved for that. That is the ultimate reward in life. And that's what we're aiming at in the Inspired Love program. That's why I created this program. And essentially what I've done is I've taken my healing journey of over a decade and everything I've learned and everything I've experienced and and all the tools and techniques and, and all of it, and I've put it together in one place in a streamlined process where you can learn how to do this for yourself so you can heal you know, the motto of the Inspired Love Program is to heal the pain of the past and open up to a future filled with love. And that is the purpose of the program. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to jump in real quick because I know you know about it and I know I've been talking about it on the show. But if you're ready to apply for the Inspired Love Program, I want to let you know exactly how to do that. The first thing you're going to do is go to Program. Com. Once you're on that page, you'll be able to see an outline of the content and the session modules. You'll be able to read testimonials from past students to find out what they got from the program. And when you're ready to apply, you'll find the link to do that right there on that page. You'll know immediately if your application is approved. And once your application is approved, you'll get access to my calendar. You'll be able to book a call with one of my team members to get on the phone face-to-face and find out if this program is the right thing for you. There's no commitment to book a call, and you don't even have to make a decision about the program until after the call. So if you think this might be the right thing for you, go apply for the program now. I want you to know that I put my heart and soul into this program, and when we work together, I am going to give you my absolute best. So, I truly hope you take this opportunity to go for it. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. And I truly hope that you are one of the people we get to meet on our discovery calls. Lots of love. All right. So, that being said, let's go ahead and we'll open up for questions. Okay. So, I'm going to jump in with this question How do you let go of your ego? And uh, this comes from Belizima, and thank you, and very much in line with today's topic. So thank you. Now I, I want to just reiterate something I said earlier: is like even when you say, "How do I let go of my ego?" And you might not be saying this, but I just want to I just want to point this out for anyone who might be listening. When you say, "How do I let go of my ego?", what you're saying is, or what you might be saying is that there's something wrong with my ego that that i don't like my ego that my ego is bad that i want to get rid of it now that relationship with your ego is going to be the number one thing that perpetuates it okay like you've got to understand when you do that you are you are just continuing the relationship that i've described today okay so exiles shameful parts of ourselves that we don't want to acknowledge They need protectors who make sure nobody's ever going to see them. The the network of protectors is the ego. Okay, the ego is the network of protectors. Now, if you shame those protectors by saying, you're wrong, you're bad, you're not good, I want to get rid of you, you're ruining my life, you're just perpetuating the cycle. You are now exiling those protectors, which they will then become exiles which will then will cause new protectors to emerge and like we do this like a lot of times this is how the psyche works and we'll just do this over and over and over and over and over again and and then like our authentic self is just so deeply repressed right so so you don't want to you don't want to develop this relationship with your ego that's that's strengthening the ego what heals the ego is love understanding, and compassion. Okay, what heals the ego is creating a context in your life where you feel safe enough and your ego feels safe enough that it doesn't constantly need to protect. So the way you... the I wouldn't say you get rid of your ego or you let go of your ego. I would say you heal the ego or you undo the ego. And you undo the ego by meeting it with love and compassion. So I said earlier, you say, thank you for protecting me. Thank you for how hard you work. Thank you for constantly doing everything you can to keep me safe. I appreciate the role you've played in my life. I appreciate the times when you have kept me safe. And I understand the times when you've hurt me, you only did that because you were trying to keep me safe. Okay, this is how you undo the ego. That's how you start anyway. And then you keep working with it. So this this goes deeper into inner child healing. Right? As you as you continue this relationship, then you get into the inner child healing. And as you release the shame around your exiled parts and you develop the confidence and the freedom to express yourself authentically, your ego is going to relax your ego is not going to feel the need to protect so strongly because the shame is gone. As long as the shame is there, your ego is going to feel the need to protect. This is why the somatic work we do around shame in the program is so important. I'd say it's probably it's probably the most important process we do in the program because it's you've actually got to face that shame, like face up to it, acknowledge it, allow it, but then meet it with love, right? And so that's the process I guide you in in the program. So don't try to get rid of your ego. Don't try to let go of your ego. Don't try to push your ego away. Start by loving and appreciating your ego. That's where you start. Um. Okay, so here's a question from Lynn, Lynn Tritton. She says, how are you able to love if you are a narcissist? Um, great question. Really cool question. So how are you able to love if you are a narcissist? Well, so narcissism, I, I, I think, and the more I learn about it, I think it's, it's a little ambiguous because... We live in a culture that promotes narcissism. Like our, our advertisements, like I mean, if you think about like Gucci, for example, you know, if if you look at a Gucci ad or some of these like really high end brands, if you look at their ads, if you look at the media they present to the world, the images and the ideas, like it, it's all narcissism. It's all like complete self-absorption. And so we live in a world that is basically teaching kids to be narcissists. And now there there are a lot of things working against that, right? So I'm not not saying that we all become narcissists, but there's a strong, strong influence teaching people to be narcissistic. And I, I would say those of us who have not done healing work are going to have a certain degree of narcissistic qualities. And and I, I think that's pretty pervasive among most people. And what narcissism is really is it's a lack of empathy. It's, it's, it's a, I was talking about earlier, right? When I, when I talked about when I was a kid and I experienced trauma, and, and I started to, in, in, as a result of my trauma, distance myself from other people and start to identify myself as different from other people, as separate from other people, right? We are not the same. We are not equal. We are different. Now, if I, if I think I'm different than you, if I think I'm not the same as you, if I think that we're not equal, well, now I have to choose to either be less than you or more than you. When we choose to take the more than you approach that's narcissism. Now, you've really got to have some compassion for like the predicament that the narcissist has because they feel that they're not enough. They feel that they are empty inside. <laughs> they feel that, you know, they have an incredible amount of shame. They have Okay, Lynn, I, I never said I was a narcissist. I don't know where, if, if you think I'm a narcissist, I, I mean, I do not believe I'm a narcissist. I don't know where that came from. If that's what you're asking, if that's what you're asking, <laughs> what you're asking I, I never said anything to that effect. That's um, strange that you would think that. I, I, I would think I, everything I present here would be very clear that I am not a narcissist, but I, I don't know. Um, if, if I misrepresented that somehow, then I apologize. But what I was saying is that we all have, to some degree, these qualities. We've all picked this up. And so if you feel that you have that separation from other people, then you're going to have to decide if you're less than others or more than others. And if you choose the more than others approach, because you don't want to be less than others, which is valid. But if you choose the more than others approach, well, now you're now you're headed on the track to narcissism. So what, what, I, what I want to say about this is that I, I think narcissism in some people is very extreme and probably borders on incurable. You know, it, it, they're probably pretty firmly set into that and they're probably not going to be changing. But the, um, the, the general population of people who have picked up a certain degree of narcissism because it's in our culture, those um, those people can definitely heal. Those people can definitely heal. And, and so what I would say is, again, like the healing for a narcissist isn't any different than what I've been talking about here. Like the healing, narcissism is just an extreme example of the stuff that we're all dealing with. This is the human predicament. And I always say, like, look, if we were born into a world that was full of love, that from a very young age validated us, told us to be our best selves, encouraged our authenticity, if children were taught that we were all equal and, and that we were encouraged to be that way, like, children are actually not taught that. Children are taught to compete against each other academically. In sports, socially, right? Like we have prom king and prom queen. What's that? It's competition, right? Who's going to be the king and the queen? Everyone else is going to be the pauper, right? So our culture teaches us to compete against each other. Our culture teaches us to live in this me versus you mentality. And that's something that we all have picked up. Narcissism is just a very extreme example of that. So what I want to say is healing is the undoing of all of that. Healing is the recognition that I am not separate from you. I am not worse than you. I am not better than you. I'm unique, but I'm not different in that sense, right? Like, yes, I'm unique. There there are qualities about me that are unique, but you have an equal amount of uniqueness to you. So we might have differences, but we're not different from each other, right? We are equal. We are the same, and we are unique, right? So healing is moving from this less than or more than mentality to an equality mentality, to a sameness mentality. You see, this is what, and the thing is, like uh, a narcissist is really just someone with an overinflated ego. And if you show up, like this is what I'd like to point out to anyone because I did this for years and this this was my own narcissistic stuff, okay? Is like I used to show up on a date with someone and I would immediately determine if I thought I was above her or below her, right? So like in terms of like if she was above my league or below my league. Now, I never showed up on a date with anyone and thought we were equals. I just showed up and I would immediately assess the person across from me, OK, is she above me or below me? And if, if I thought she was below me, then I would think I had some kind of power to run this relationship. But if I thought she was above me, I would immediately feel inferior like I had to earn her love, right? And so this is is the unhealed state where we're constantly comparing ourselves to others and assessing if we are above or below them. The healed state is a recognition of equality. So when I started to date from a healed place, I would show up on a date and honestly feel in my heart that I was every bit worthy for this person and that they were every bit worthy for me. And it was just a very neutral experience of, I'm figuring out how much I like them. I'm figuring out how much they like me. And, and when, I'll just speak from my half, I don't always know how they received it, but I'll speak on my side when somebody would decide that they weren't interested, it didn't hurt that bad. Because it didn't have this added weight of I'm not enough. It didn't have this added weight of I'm insufficient. It was just, oh, they're looking for something else. That's cool. I respect that. Because I was also aware that sometimes I'm looking for something else. And I was also aware that when I told somebody that I was looking for something else, that didn't automatically mean that I thought there was something wrong with that person. In fact, I knew in my heart authentically for me that I saw people clearly, that I acknowledged people fully. And so when I would choose not to be with someone... It wasn't because there was something wrong with them. I saw that person fully, completely. I appreciated them. I even loved them to a degree. But for whatever reason, I decided it wasn't a relationship I wanted, or it wasn't the direction I wanted to go, or it wasn't what I was looking for. But because I was able to feel that decision in that way, the opposite was also true. When somebody did that to me, I didn't feel it. It didn't hurt so much. I hope you're getting what I'm saying here. Right? So it's like, it's like as above, so below. As inside is what's going to show up outside. Everything in life is showing up to you as a reflection of how you feel about yourself. And this is, this is the healing journey. So going back to the question, and I know maybe I misunderstood the question a little bit, but you know, it, it's good because narcissism is a big deal in our culture and I'm glad we got to talk about it a little bit. But you know, what What I want to say is like, it, it's, I found the healthiest thing to do is to not categorize people as narcissists or not, is just to get connected to how someone, how you want someone to show up for you and ask yourself if they are showing up that way or not. And you don't need to take their inventory. You don't need to worry about what their mental health situation is. You know, if you're in a relationship with them, then maybe it would be helpful to diagnose them as a narcissist, (laughs) right? If you've been married to someone for 10 years and you're starting to realize, oh, they're a narcissist, that's a different story. But when you're dating someone, don't worry about if they're a narcissist or not. Don't don't take their mental health inventory. Just ask yourself if they're showing up for you the way you want someone to show up for you and be honest with yourself about that. All right, so um, we've had a lot of great questions come in. I definitely want to get to one or two more of them. Have about another 10 minutes or so. Um, I also just want to shout out Casey Runner. I see you on here. It's been a while, but good to have you back. Been a little while since I've seen you, but good to see you again. Um, Okay, I wanna take this question. This is a really, really good one. The question comes from I am Melissa. What do you do when you feel like, why am I so angry? Ooh, that's a good one. That is a good one. And this is, this is really going to, um, this is really going to be able to shed some light on everything we've been talking about today when I work with this question. Because, okay, why are you or why am I so angry? Well, first off, I just want I I just want everyone who's listening right now to check in with yourself and and ask if you have ever felt that experience before. Because I know I know exactly what you were talking about when you share that. I know exactly the experience you're talking about. So I want everyone to check in with yourself and ask yourself if you know that experience. Why am I so angry? Because when you feel that, when you feel, Oh my God, why am I so angry? What's happening is you are having a reaction that is disproportionate to what, to what's actually happening. Right? It's like when you go on a date with someone and they don't text you the next day and, and then you, and then you like freak out and you have this like reaction that is like so not proportional, to just the fact that someone didn't text you like like them not texting you is like this much and your reaction is like this much right it's just it's such a it's such an incongruency when that happens right so when that happens for you i want you to recognize that that is that is everything i've been talking about today playing out for you in real time like that is how you can know what i'm saying is true if you've ever experienced that then you know that what I'm talking about is true because that is literally it happening in your life in real time. So let's talk about where the anger comes from. Anger is a protection emotion. Anger is not an emotion that comes from the exiles. Let me let me let me say one thing here there might be sometimes a little bit of anger in like, how could you exile me, right? There there might be a little bit of an edge of that, but exiles are usually feeling sadness, loneliness, grief, and shame, right? Like, Exiles are usually experiencing much lower emotions than anger. Anger is actually, there's, it's not it's not a particularly healthy emotion at least it's it's healthy to express it at times but it is not a healthy state to live in long term but it is it is a powerful state anger has a lot of energy to it whereas emotions like shame and sadness and grief they're they're emotions that actually drain your energy right so anger kind of gives you energy where these other emotions drain your energy and so Anger is an emotion that happens on the protection level, and it happens on the protection level to move you into protective action. So I want you to stay with me on this. This I'm really breaking it down for you what's happening in your psyche right now. You become angry to move into protective action, to activate your protectors, to get them doing their jobs. And what has happened is something in life has triggered the fear that something is going to touch one of your exiles. Now, if you're just joining in and you've missed what I talked about earlier, then you're going to have to go back because I'm talking about some things that you have no frame of reference for right here. But if, you, if you've been with me, I want you to stay with me, OK? Because when you get angry, you are experiencing a fear that something is about to touch one of your exiles, and you are being activated into protective action. And that's where this intense anger comes from. Now, the response to it is very similar to what we've, to what we've been talking about. It's, it's going to be, okay, I see you. Thank you for trying to protect me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for doing your best to take care of me. Thank you for being that amazing protector, right? (laughs) Right. So, you know, thank you for that. And, and can we try a different approach here? This is where you might want to get into some deep breaths, right? Like the, the first thing you need to do is just neutralize your system. You just need to come back to balance, Don't try to, don't try to do anything while you're still angry. Because if you try to act while you're angry, you're just going to be acting out of protection. So when you feel that the most important thing to do is to first regulate your system and then you get to a regulated place and then you choose what to do. And I would say, you know, for all of you, whether it's anger, whether it's an intense fear, or an intense feeling of unworthiness like these these intense emotions that get triggered especially when we're dating or you know like navigating relationships with people like these intense emotions that get triggered are always protective reactions and so something and and this is something that I teach you in the program but I'm just going to give it to you right now for free is that when you when you see that when you see that protective mechanism happening, you, you want to, you want to learn, like, learn to let that be a sign that you need to regulate. You need to find balance. For most of us, we feel these intense emotions and they kind of throw us into a like frantic action, right? Where we're like frantically trying to scramble to make it all happen or put it all together, (laughs) right? It throws us into a kind of frantic action. And so you, you don't wanna you don't wanna get thrown into that frantic action. You wanna recognize what's happening in your system, choose to stop and regulate, and then from a regulated place figure out how you want to move forward. That's one of the most powerful, that's one of the most powerful skills that you are, you will ever develop in life is to stop acting out of your triggers and to let your triggers trigger you to go regulate and then move forward. That That is actually, uh, this is kind of a side note, but that process that I'm describing right now, your ability to do that in real time, I think is one of the primary skills that separates people from who have extraordinary lives from people who have lives that are a mess. I think that is probably the most fundamental skill that those people have is the ability to not act out of their triggers. So great question. Great question. I hope that made sense the way I explained it there. Um, So I think I'm going to close out with this right now. Um, We're at about time and I've talked about a lot today. I want to let it, you know, I want to let it simmer and, and digest for you. I know when we just go on and on and on, it can get to be a lot, but I wanna I wanna let that settle for you right now. And I just want to say um in closing, you know, if you've if you've been with me today, sending so much love to you, you know, I, I know that we are we are on a very challenging journey right now. And it is it is a journey that is driving us to the deepest aspects of ourselves. And and the journey I'm talking about, yes, it is the journey to love, it is the journey to fulfillment, it is the journey to happiness, but it is also the journey of life. And if you know me and you know my spiritual background, then you know I, I believe that part of this journey is to heal. Like that's what we're here to do. That's that's why I do the work I do is because in my understanding of life and, and what we're doing here, we are here to heal. And we are going to keep repeating experiences like this and we are going to keep suffering until we find healing. And so... And that's why I do this work is, is to help that healing, to help you do what you came here to do. And as a result of that, you will have the life that you truly, truly want to have. So I just want to make one last invitation for those of you who are with me right now. You know, the Inspired Love program is an amazing, amazing vehicle for that healing to occur. And if you trust me and you trust my work, then trust my program to get you there. That's what I want to say. Um, sending you all so much love wherever you are, however you are receiving this message. Thank you for being with me today. And thank you for hearing it, sending you lots of love. And I'll be back with you next week. Many blessings, everybody. Take care. Bye. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the living relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.